Tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, our shoulder pads are high and our beer is cold. Get ready for Warcraft. Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back. Grab a beer and enjoy the show. Welcome to Hops and Box Office Flops, your pod for critical and box office bombs presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. We are closing out our up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, be a select flop series with 2016's Warcraft. I, Captain Cash, will be your guide through the world of Azeroth. Joining me, as always, are the aptly named Thunderous Wizard. Yes, uh, Goldan has just ripped out my soul and given it to Hulu, who's now going to ruin all of my recommendations. You know, I mean, honestly, that's not the worst thing we've had to watch for this pod, but we'll get into it. And hailing from the dark shores of Draenor is Chumpzilla. For the Horde! Luktar Ogar. Oh, man. Listen, I, I can get real weird with this. But before I do that, you can find the pod at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and Box Office Flops. Please be sure to like, share, subscribe, leave us a, a review on iTunes. Big help to us. The Thunderous Wizard, where can people go to find you? You can find me on Twitter at WriterTLK. And Chumpzilla, where can you be found? You can find me on Twitter at Chumpzilla8 or hanging out with the Horde. No, not from this movie. I mean, the bad guys from She-Ra. But oh, nice. On. Hey, tell tell uh, Katra I said what's up. You mean Chitara? No, Whatever. not Katra. The, the uh, you know, Shira's girlfriend. Orca. Oh, Orco. Whatever. Orco, that's He-Man. Anyway, same thing. As always, I am C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media. Hit me up. Let's talk Shira fandom. Anyway, the beer for tonight I am very excited to tell you about is one of my favorite beers. It is Dragon's Milk from New Holland Brewing out of Michigan. This is a bourbon barrel aged imperial stout that comes in at a whopping 11% ABV. Seriously, I love this beer. And to that... Lotar Ogar, gentlemen. Cheers. Yeah, really, I'll drink to that. This is my favorite beer. I'm not. I'm not even kidding. Okay, this is, uh, this is old Chumpzilla's first Dragon's Milk here. Let me uh, give my first impressions. While he's doing that, I'm going to tell you right now. For me, this is a three bad movie beer. If you will supply me with Dragon's Milk, I will watch as many shitty movies as you want. I love this beer. Well, I mean, it's eleven point something ABV, so you'd watch like. The maximum three movies, uh, <laughs> and then probably die. Yeah, that's okay. Because listen, uh, I I went to whatever the horde version of heaven is. Yeah, who knows what the mythos of this mind-boggling movie? Uh, I would say one and a half, two movies. Not that it's not a good beer; it's just too strong for me. Yeah, um, it's uh, smooth. It's it's not too boozy for being eleven percent, right? Um, it's a little sweet, hint of vanilla, 
not like a really overpowering like uh, multi or like chocolatey flavor. You know, for being a stout, that's that's not bad. But yeah, I think it's pretty dangerous in a whopping 11% ABV. Um, I think I'd have to give this about a two movie rating because anything more than that at 11% could be quite dangerous. But yeah, not bad at all. So cheers to you, Captain Cash. Yeah, good listen, selection. I- yeah, they're not paying us to to stump for this beer, but listen, New Holland, if you want to put in a call, find me on Instagram, C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H. I am more than happy to be your spokes dragon. I don't know. Either way. Orc. Spokes orc. I could do that. I don't even need a reason. Um, all right. So points of order before we dive into this dumpster fire. This movie is not based on the hugely popular MMORPG. World of Warcraft. This movie is based on 1994's Warcraft Orcs and Humans, which is basically the story of everything that happened before things were interesting. So this is going to be kind of tough. I'm not going to lie. Did any of you ever play either Warcraft or Warcraft 2 and any of the genre? Are you familiar with it at all? I'm not a uh, real-time strategy game fan. So I knew of it, never played it, never played StarCraft, never played any of that stuff. All right, what about you, Chubzilla? Have you ever played any of the, this or even WoW, World of Warcraft? Yeah, no. Um, I can say I remember the original Warcraft games from the days of going to Best Buy to get PC games. Yeah. I remember the box art. I remember seeing it on the shelves um, because, again, we're kids of the 90s here. But when it came to real-time strategy games, yes, I did play StarCraft and StarCraft II. Okay, Those so games enough, same, same people. Same Blizzard, Blizzard games, yep. But when it comes to the sword and sorcery stuff, I was not a, a, a Warcraft guy. I was much more of a uh, Heroes of Might and Magic 2 guy. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. I did play I like that. I liked, yep, I liked being a necromancer, uh, Bone Dragons for the win. But yeah, Bone Warcraft. Dragons for the win. Yeah, Warcraft, though, not in my wheelhouse. Can that be the title of this pod, Bone Dragons for the Win? Uh, Sure. Yeah, it's a subtitle. I accept that, yep. Awesome. (laughs) Spectacular. Well, so the reason I bring that up is because I played Warcraft 1, Warcraft 2. I didn't play Warcraft 3, which I think is widely considered to have the best story. And I logged way too much time into WoW. Uh, By the time I gave up was sometime in, like, 2010. And I had started in... 2004 so i had killed the lich king i had killed deathwing uh i've maxed out your mom's credit card nerd alert (laughs) yeah well welcome to the beer pod about a about shitty movies that now that we're on number what are we 67 seven no this is the 70th pod lightning bolt lightning bolt lightning Uh, bolt Voltor Thunderseer. Wait, no, that's the other thing. Okay, anyway, so just to be up front, I can kind of give you a heads up on some of the stuff I recognize from the games, but there is so much here that it's going to be a little wild. So basically, Warcraft is a little bit of an outlier for us on the pod because this movie actually is the highest grossing film based on a video game property. It hauled in $439 million dollars. Of the top 10 video game grocers, though, worldwide ever, yeah, it's number one. But 
it's domestic is lower than every other one of those top 10 movies which is wild it only 43 million dollars is from the u.s everything else is from the global market this is literally one of two films as of our recording this pod that has broke 400 million dollars and not have made 100 million dollars in the states so it's kind of a it's interesting because this is very much a global movie but basically this movie needed to make 450 million dollars to break even and with the disappointing returns they basically scuttled any chance of a sequel so i feel like this very much meets our definition for flop yeah how many comic cons in a row did we go to where they were pumping this movie before it came out at least three because it went it went hobbit and hobbit ended in 20 14 it's all blurred and then because... 15 16 oh so no two but no they had stuff with the hobbit stuff because the guys who were behind a lot of the the prop work on this are weta the same folks who did the lord of the rings and the same folks who did the hobbit yeah they were working on this movie for like five or six years before it was finally released like it was a huge production just long enough uh that the game was no longer popular <laughs> like time. it's to I mean, me, it, popular, it is but... wild how each of the orcs is incredibly crafted. They're photorealistic. But you look at the humans, and they look like cartoon characters. And I don't understand how that's possible. The HD era did the sets and the costumes of the humans. It did them no favors. It's, you know, like, oh, this looks really clear. It's like, and in that clarity... This looks really cheap. Like it's it's so it is pulling directly from, especially WoW, for the look of a lot of things. Like the look of Stormwind with the, all the different colored roofs. The Stormwind is the human kingdom, is directly pulled from the game. The outfits that the soldiers wear directly pulled from the game. And I think we're gonna get into why that's a problem, but that that should have been a signal to someone making this film that hey literally just making the game again but with more money that you can't play probably isn't the best way to engage an audience yeah no that's uh very true yeah i I think you could make the argument that they were so focused on getting the cgi aspects of this done you know right and appropriately that the human side of things was almost an afterthought it's like Wait a minute, you've got this high-dollar CGI that's great, well-rendered, realistic, interesting. The mo-capture work was great. And then the humans look like they're just cosplaying. Yeah, no, and, that's what it felt yeah. like. Listen, as someone who does a shitload of that, I can make Stormwind armor. It's not hard, and it'll look about as good as what you saw on screen. And that's, it's, uh, I, I think, what's most glaring about it, because this is, I guess you could say Mario Brothers was super ambitious, and obviously it cost a lot. This was them like, this is going to be a massive hit. It's going to be a franchise. And it's going to be the biggest thing since The Lord of the Rings. Like, you don't spend $160 million to produce a movie and not expect it to be a monster hit. No, no, they're they're very ambitious. You're right. And I think to your point, Captain Cash, the armor did not seem to have, like, realistic weight to it. Right. It It didn't make noise. It didn't seem heavy. Um, it looked like the guys were wearing stuff made out of yoga mats. Yeah, the foam rolls. 
it looked exactly like it looks in the the game. Unfortunately, when you translate that to real life, it looks a little silly. But uh, I agree with you guys that this this to me smacks of like late teens. You know, hey, we're gonna start a franchise, so let's spend all this time doing world building and forget to tell a fucking story. Like between this, the mummy, I'd argue BDS, which I know will upset one of our one of our co-hosts. But this was a, a false start. It was it was cart before the horse. Let's make a world without having anything interesting to say. Yeah, it was kind of like, hey, let's do the Infinity Gauntlet saga in one movie. Yeah, yes. and and it clearly was like, and like that, even though you know that's getting a sequel. We're not going to resolve things because we're going to get one. Don't worry. So yes, exactly. Everything the movie sets up is like you don't get to see any of it pay off. And it is very frustrating. So just to give you some background on the movie itself and who's in this thing before we do a deep dive into the plot. Um, the film was written and directed by Duncan Jones. That is the son of Ziggy Stardust himself, the director of Moon, who won a shitload of awards. Duncan Jones. Uh, hey, and I'll say this, Captain Cash. Moon is an excellent movie, and apparently so is Source Code, although I've never seen it. Source Code I've is not seen Source Code also either. really good. And it sounds interesting. I don't, you know, I, I didn't do background research behind the scenes of this movie. Obviously, it's a big studio movie, so you know there's going to be a lot of meddling. But Source Code and Moon are done so, so well. They're such tight movies. It's hard for me to believe that Duncan Jones had as much creative control as he probably would have liked being an indie movie darling that had made two massively well-reviewed and successful movies. See, I like and that's the thing. I can't find anything that says there was tons of friction. Like, ordinarily, when we do these things, you're absolutely right. There's like, studio said this, director wanted that, they couldn't meet in the middle, it's a mess. But I don't think that's what happened here. Well, I think the studio also thought they dodged a bullet because initially Uva Bull approached them for the <laughs> opportunity to direct the property and they were like absolutely not we'll license this movie but not to you anybody but you because they were worried a bad Uva Bull movie would actually hurt the video game so that was the reason for rejecting Uva Bull was to project the profitability of the video game well I mean that is akin to when Tommy Wusso of Room fame uh, tweeted at WB that he'd like to be the next Joker. <laughs> like it, it's it is hilarious, but it's funny because Uva Bowl produced Postal, which we did on the show a couple episodes back, and it has the same Postal has the same problem that this movie does, which is slavish devotion to the material, disregarding what storytelling actually is. So like. I think if they'd have gone with Uva Bowl and made like a $50 million version of this with orcs in Klingon-esque armor or whatever, it might have made more money. I'm not going to lie. I, I think I would have had a lot more fun watching it than I did this, which is trying so hard to do something, and it doesn't know what that something is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the best description I can give this movie is it seems like it's the second, it's like the two-part premiere episode of the second season of a television show. <laughs> I, I feel like I should already know what's going on, 
and it never really gives me enough information to fully grasp what's happening until it's already happened. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe I get it now. Like, I feel like I should have seen like a prequel before this, and then it would have made sense. Which is wild because this is the prequel. I, yeah, let's let's move on, and we can talk about the plot. But before we do that, just a quick rundown of who's in this thing. Travis Fermel of Vikings is arguably the lead as Anduin Lothar. He's a hero of Stormwind. I, like, honestly, one of the problems is I don't know who the protagonist of this film is. There's like seven. Um, <laughs> Paula Patton as the single not 100% CGI orc because she is half orcan, Garona half orcan. She, uh, I'm not sure why they decided to go with the just makeup look for her because it doesn't match the rest of the movie. Which, I mean, they call her Garona half orcan, so you're supposed to intuit that she's half orc, half something else. They don't do a good job of explaining what that other half is. I have a theory, but it's it's not... Again, none of this bears out in the film. I watched a 20-minute, hey, in case you didn't catch it, or you're not a giant nerd video on YouTube about this movie, and apparently that character is not half orc, half human. Right. She's half orc, half the blue things. Drain eye, Lock, yeah. Locked so, in cages, yeah. Uh, so for the purposes yeah. of the video game, but you are But they don't correct. tell you that. They don't tell you that in the movie, and it's not clear. No. Which would be why she's the, movie, the slave. It might be different. Like, there's hints that she's actually the, the next guy, uh, Medivh, the the wizard that guards Azeroth, that he might be Garona's father, but right? it's really not clear. I didn't catch that the first two times I watched this, because I watched it three times, but wow. I watched it the third time after watching my 20-minute YouTube, hey, you should probably know video, and then I'm like, oh, now I get it. He's kind of saying, I'm your father. Yeah. So, oh, and but that not really. Particular yeah, person. Yeah. How, how could I not pick that uh, up? <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. Anytime you have to watch a 20-minute deep dive YouTube video before a two-hour <laughs> movie makes sense, the director's fucked up. Anytime you have to watch an exposition video for a movie that is basically a 100% exposition problem. Uh, but that, that character, the wizard, Medivh, is played by Ben, I was the worst X-Men in the worst X-Men movie, Foster. Uh, you also have Ben, I think it's Cessner, as that mage's sort of apprentice slash replacement Katagar. You get Dominic, I was the young Howard Stark, Cooper as King Lane Wynn. Uh, and that rounds out the human characters. In our mocap orcs, we have Toby Kebble as Doratom, chief of the Frostwolf clan, and maybe the other major protagonist, but at least he's one of the good orcs. And just as a brief aside, I will die mad about what you did to Dr. Doom, Toby Kebble. I remember. Fuck you, Toby Kebble. Honestly, that could probably also go to uh, Josh Trank. That That's probably a little aggressive, Toby. You're, you were You were doing a job, Toby. My bad. Fox executives, My bad. you know. Yeah. No, no, again, I came on a little strong. I just, you know what? I really like Doctor Doom, and I really, really hated Fantastic. Um, you also get Robert Krasinski as Ogrim Doomhammer, like the other good orc. Uh, I am pleased that we got Clancy Brown, right? Yeah, that was That's cool. Brown. I like that. Yeah. He's in there yeah. as Red yeah. Blackhand, the guy who always does the bad guy voices is the bad guy. Is the bad guy, yep. Hey, and Doomhammer, for the record, he's also the jerk on the motorcycle in Captain Marvel that tells her to smile more. 
He is. He is. Yeah. And which so range he can be good orc or bad human. So yep. no, mm-hmm. there's range. That's a thing. Uh, and then finally, probably the last, I guess, major character. Again, there are too many characters in this. Uh, you have Daniel Wu as Gul'dan, the obviously evil orc warlock and the the leader of the horde in so much as you can have one. Could you make the statement there unrecognizably so? Like, I literally had no idea who could possibly do in that voice. I thought that was a really good voice performance. Oh no! Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to discredit the performances here. More, more that it was tiring to me to just read that list of names. So imagine a movie with that. What? There's nine people in your 160 million dollar movie. I thought you were a Lord of the Rings fan. How many freaking people were in that? I mean, there were nine, but I can name all nine of them right now, and I cared about them deeply at every single fucking turn. You want to do fellowship right now? I'll fucking do it. It's Aragorn, Boromir. I'm I'm getting a lot of ugly looks. It's Aragorn. <laughs> I'm I'm still doing. I'm doing it. I'm doing Aragorn, Boromir, Gandalf, Merry, Pippin, Frodo, Sam, Legolas, Gimli, Blitzen. Thank you. Uh, well, that was riveting. But what I was gonna say is, uh, there are far too many central characters, and the movie's all over the place. Which, when you get to the plot, you'll understand that. Uh, the orcs are the only interesting part of the movie for me. So all these voice actors, I think, did a really good job, and I and I thought the the creature design, to your point earlier, was really good in this movie too. Oh, it's spectacular! The visuals on this thing are are fucking great. Yeah, and I agree with the thunderous wizard. Uh, the orcs have the more interesting and straightforward story. So you found yourself more invested in what was going on with them. Whereas the humans, it was kind of confusing and didn't make a lot of sense. Put it this way. The humans are really, really underdeveloped so much so that I was, when I was sort of mildly paying attention, I had no idea that Lothor had a son. And then the guy dies and he's like, Oh, my son's dead. I'm like, what? What did this happen? So I think the trap they fell into is they felt like they had to do more with the orcs to keep people interested because, oh, it'll be harder for people to relate with the orcs. Uh, Well, no, that's not the case because their story was more straightforward and the narrative was more developed. The humans, on the other hand, they just kind of assumed, I think, that, oh, well, we'll just get what's going on there. For me, the sun wasn't the biggest mystery. It was that Lothar's sisters, the queen... I didn't realize that his sister, that chick, was married to the king because I don't think they have like a single bit of dialogue between the two of them in the entire movie. And it's not clear, except for straight exposition, that there's a relationship there. Like they never stand by each other on the throne or anything, but that's apparently the queen. You're absolutely right. And you're getting at what I feel like is the true heart of the problem of this movie, which is... The original Warcraft game is incredibly arch. The orcs are 100% murder, death, kill bad guys. They're always chaotic evil. They always choose the most evil thing you can do. The humans are 100% good. They're always, you know, the paladins. They use healing magic, yada, yada, yada. But because they developed World of Warcraft, they felt the need to go back and retcon the story of saying, oh, you know, no, the orcs are good, and which... Which is, I think, kind of interesting, and that's why it makes for an interesting story in this movie, because you have the traditionally, like, 
always evil band of orcs being, you know, no, they're just people like everybody else. And that that's interesting because we haven't really seen that. Except that's not the story of the game. Right. And I think they went on the record, at least Duncan Jones did, saying that they wanted to do something with the orcs to make them not completely evil. They wanted to avoid that trope of humans good, ugly monster creatures bad. They wanted to make it more uh, interesting and, and complicated. So they achieved that. I won't say they did it well, but right. they definitely did bring some balance into that. But I've got some theories on the way the characters stack up in this, but I'm going to wait until after the plot to yeah. get into it. Agreed. Yeah, I have script doctor ideas where I feel like th there were ways this could have worked, and instead of doing any of those, they just opted for as much plot as they could every single time. So before we go all the way into the plot, one sentence description. Uh, IMDB called this... An orc horde invades the planet Azeroth using a magic portal. A few humans and dissenting orcs must attempt to stop the true evil behind the war, which sounds way less boring than this movie is, but you know, take it away, Thunderous Wizard. What do you? What did you think? Uh, I mean, I had a simple one that was just World of Warcraft, but... No, that's good. I like that. The dad joke in me really, really rejoices in that. Well, well done, sir. That's accurate. That's accurate, though. I, would you like to add to it? You know, don't add to it. Don't. No, don't no. Be I mean, it is. It's well true. Done. This, this movie is really fucking boring. Take a bow. Over to Chumpzilla. Okay. A group of B-list actors cosplay as extras from the Hobbit trilogy and LARP their way through a forgettable mess of a plot while somehow being outacted by the CGI orcs. Yep. That that work? No, no, that works. Uh, my my one sentence was a more boring version of the Silmarillion with more ridiculous shoulder pads and even less actual human emotion slash motivation. This, I'm a huge fantasy nerd, guys, and I I actually really like the world of Azeroth. And this, who this movie is a slog. So with that in mind, let's jump right into the plot. Uh, I like. I, I know we always talk about how, hey, it's going to take a couple minutes. I don't know how to do this without saying, this is terrible, don't watch it, or here's an exhaustive study of what this fucking movie is. I believe this movie is the definition of the concept that the Thunderous Wizard introduced to Potigo. This movie was seriously overplotted and underwritten. It's, it's so much plot and exposition because like, we have to explain this to get to the next thing we have to explain. That's 100% of what this is. Yeah, and the biggest problem with that is, like you said, it feels like episode, like season two of a TV series or episode two of a trilogy. Like, I really want to see what came before this that drove the orcs to just hang out with uh, soul-sucking goblin Hitler. But <laughs> you don't get any of that. They actually address that in like the first scene of the movie. They start off with some cliche... We've always been at war with the humans for so long that we've forgotten who we actually were fighting or something. It's like, well, what, what does that even mean? It's like they're trying to tell you there was something before the forever, but oh, okay, what? I, I don't get it. Yeah, my beef with that little portion is that when they come into Azeroth, it almost feels like these are creatures that have never been seen before. So that would have been a lot cooler than 
I guess they've been having wars with humans in other dimensions. I don't know. Well, no, no. I, I, I take it as that being like the present and what we're watching is a flashback. Yes. But, it, uh, but it's not. That's exactly but, what it's supposed to be. And there's a missing framing device. That's yeah, I didn't catch that till the third time I watched it. And I'm like, oh. So, 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 no but, but, but there's no payoff. It doesn't make any sense. It's Zero really payoff. Weird, it's a really weird place to start the movie. This has been going on forever, and here's why. And it's like, exactly. but, but, but the the flashback technically that first scene doesn't look any different than the rest of the movie. So there's no way to tell the difference other than the awkward dialogue. Okay, yeah. sorry. No, no. So I mean, you're absolutely right. The movie opens with that voiceover, and then we get, you know, the orcs are going from Draenor into Azeroth, which Draenor is this blasted, terrible land, and that's because of fell magic, and Gul'dan, who is the, just obviously evil, like, he's got the evil spikes out of his back, he's got, like, like, the red eye, it's just, it's so pain, like, why would anyone follow this very obviously evil person? He's Darth Sidious on steroids. Exactly. And, of course, then I look at our current political climate and I wonder the same thing. But either way, in the first minutes, Gul'dan explicitly drains the life out of, which I they're called Draenei in the games, but it's these blue hooved people, which they don't particularly address in the movie. And my 20-minute video taught me that they're called Draenei, but they're not from Draenor. They are not. They are they're from a different planet. Yes, they are, and they crash landed. It's... God damn, there is so much backstory. Moving forward, though, using this their is, this souls... This is definitely... People. I'll say this. This is definitely more Star Trek than it is Star Wars, but moving on. You know, that's kind of fair. Uh, either way, using the souls of the the blue people, Gul'dan opens a portal to Azeroth, which is a green land that arguably is something like, you know, Middle Earth, right? It's your traditional fantasy setting. Um as they do that, they send an, an advanced scouting party. That's where we meet Duratan and his wife, Draka, who is pregnant, but they're such badasses that even pregnant ladies fight. Um, going through the portal causes her to start a miscarriage. Um, she gives birth to a stillborn that Gul'dan then kills a deer and brings the baby back to life. Yep, hold, hold up, hold up. Yep. So they open up the portal on Drano and... Uh, Darton says to his wife, "Hold on, like you first. W why would he send his wife in first? Because it's such a nice land. Maybe it wouldn't work. I, uh, I don't. What? What? Like, hey, pregnant lady. Yeah, yeah. You first, guinea pig. Well, it was more that <laughs> they experiment on everybody. Was, was that was experiment that a... on the two lives? They had to leave. So it's like if the portal spontaneously." Closed. So the lady's first. Thing? She would okay. be saved because their world was dying, because they're essentially uh, Kryptonian uh, fantasy characters. Sure, and, I, and the portal scene was great. That was great CGI. Oh no! Like, yeah, it, the, the like movie, this movie starts strong. At this point, the movie starts very strong. You're like, okay, yeah, this just seems kind of cool. Um, and then we get the human part. <laughs> And this makes our second movie in a row where we get like a weird impromptu like backwoods C-section type thing. Weird. Wait, what was the last one? Uh, and Bison Street just Fighter? going uh, oh, hands. Oh, you're right. Wow. Hands and deep. video games. 
I mean, this isn't. I guess she. I guess she passes it orc vaginally. I'm not really sure what yeah, was know, going down there. A, that's definitely a orc vaginal birth, but it's a stillborn okay. baby. Still, yeah. Still dawn, so, then uses spell magic. Yeah. Yeah. Bring alive, Which, and that strangely, turns its skin green. It's strange that that freaks nobody out. They don't draw that that connection then, but they do later. That hey, fell magic equals green orc. But whatever. Moving on. It, which is again among the problems of this film, where it very early on establishes green, particularly lime green, is the color of evil, and then regularly presents you with lots of people that it doesn't want you to think are evil using lime green, and you're like, okay, fine. Anyway, yeah, it's uh, a little more than like, hey, this could mean something. Believe us. It's like it's yeah. happening constantly, and it's clear who the bad guys are. Yeah. So we get we get the human bit where you get introduced to Lothar. He's meeting some dwarves who do not show up for the rest of the fucking movie. But you know, dwarves. There's dwarves. Exist. Yeah. There's dwarves. There's the, the check that box with um, boomsticks. With boomsticks, which actually does matter later, uh, sort of. I yeah, guess. I mean they give they they sort of give you the Chekhov's gun there. You see it, and then you get it later. Yes, literally, right? Except you know that character is Magni Bronzebeard, so it's less Chekhov's gun and more Magni Bronzebeard's gun. But yeah, uh, they go back to Stormwind. Whatever, Bronzebeard's uh, boomstick. That, oh damn it! I love how alliterative that is. So, in any case, Lothar goes back to Stormwind, finds Katagar. That's the young mage that we're gonna. Is going to be, I guess, the good wizard throughout. Um, Harry Potter! <laughs> and, like, I, I want to ask questions about what was going on with the hairstyling and makeup with the young mage. Like, his haircut looks very, like, 1990, and he's got, like, this wispy mustache. Like, none of it says fantasy. It all just says lazy to me. They wanted to give him a page boy haircut so bad, they just couldn't bring themselves to do it. I know. I just, I don't, like, commit. I, uh, spent. Yeah. That character, I mean, I guess, you know, he means something in the end, but he just kind of felt superfluous. Uh, and he's just magical Podrick Payne from Game of Thrones. There is no way Kadrigar has a dick as big as Podrick Payne. Well, uh, I'm not sure about the penis implications here in Azeroth, but I will say everyone cast in this movie appears to be 27. There's no right. one old or younger than that, except for Luther's son, Lothar. Yeah. Lex Lothar. And he appears to be 20. Y- yeah. You know, everyone's like exactly the same age in Azeroth. There are no elderly and there are no extremely young. So Azeroth is just the OC. Interesting. Pretty much. I I would really like to explore that in a later fanfic I will write, but not right now. Uh, but the whole point of Kattegar being there at all is just to point at, hey, you know, fell magic is bad, which is already after we've watched a dude murder a bunch of people to open a gate and then murder a, a deer to make a baby come back alive. So, hey, we get it. It's probably not nice. Kattegar also says they have to summon the guardian of Azeroth, which is Medivh. Uh, we get introduced to Lane Wynn, the king of Stormwind. God, that's really difficult to say now that I say it for the first time aloud. Lane Wynn, the king of Stormwind. Yeah, and it's fancy lane with two L's. Yeah, right? And two N's. 
in Rin, and it's spelled with a W, because that's the kind of fucking movie we're in. Again, I say that as a fantasy nerd, it's fine. Uh, so basically, they're saying, hey, the orcs are attacking, despite the fact we've already seen the orcs attacking. The Mystery orcs, we don't know what they are, they're giant beasts. Yeah. They just they go to such trouble to repeat what has already happened to show us that the humans need to be convinced that the orcs are attacking them, despite the fact we as the audience know the orcs are attacking. Uh, so anyway, they go to get the Guardian. They ride on the back of a griffin to do that, because that's a thing that happens in WoW. So that's a thing that's going to happen in this fucking movie. It's uh, a griffin spelled with a Y. You know what? Honestly, I, I didn't. Check that, but I will believe you. A Griffon. Subtitles tell me that it's with a Y, because I had to uh, watch it with the subtitles the third time so I could understand what the orcs were saying. Also with a PH if you want to get technical. Uh, but either way, Lothar and Kadigar travel to Medivh's tower, where they meet Medivh, who, uh, to your point, Chumzilla, it, it's really distracting, because this character is clearly meant to be a Gandalf-type character that is ancient and he's been the guardian of, of Azeroth but he is played by an actor who is the same age as everyone else yeah and I'll just point out that he also is written with the fantastic fantasy slash bad movie trope of playing the pronoun game with his intentions it's not like the literal pronoun game but it's kind of like Okay, this guy's clearly up to something. Like, he is clearly holding back information and being weird as fuck right from Jump Street. He is a, yeah. he's a walking trope. And his, his, uh, his costumes are really some of the most, like, oh, you could see this at a Renaissance Fair next week. Okay, okay. okay. His wig is it, real bad. Okay, I'm not going to judge the wig in this because it's par for the course in this kind of schlock, but. His peacock bird coat is fan-fucking-tastic. It's the best costume in the movie. Straight out of the game. Again, I cannot stress enough how much all of this is pulled just right out the game. I'm sorry. The one costume in this movie that works for me is the probably evil, definitely sketchy wizard in a peacock bird coat. I'm like, yeah, that's the kind of flashy shit a dude on the take would wear. It's basically like wizard pimp wear. I love it. I'm down for he that. Does, he's got a cane, too. So. <laughs> yeah, so basically, Kadigar pokes around and Medivh threatens him for poking around, immediately setting off everybody's like, hey, this dude is up to some shit and doesn't want us to know about it. Maybe that's and, the thing. And it's clear there's more backstory to Harry Potter's deal that unless you know the game, you don't get. So again, you have to watch a 20 minute video before you watch this to understand what the hell that was all about. Cause they give you a flash of it, but they don't explain it. Yeah. And, and, uh, hence why this should have been the second movie because the first movie could have ended with, uh, Medivh embracing the fell, the power well, of the fell. Yeah. And doing shots of melon ball and being too. like, yeah, this is the good stuff. Yeah. This is, and in this scene, you also get, hey, the fell is bad for the third fucking time. You've shown us the fell is bad. You've shown us the fell was could be used to be bad, but could do good things. You had Kadigar literally say, the fell is bad, and now you're having Medivh say, yes, the fell is bad. And it's like, it, it, and you get on. not You get not Kate Blanchett telling you that, too, <laughs> in the form of a, of a force ghost. 
and yet in 10 minutes Medivh uses the fell and that doesn't set off alarms for anybody except for uh, Padrick <laughs> it's oh it's, it, okay yes we're moving on next step <laughs> it's, God, it's, it's just so fucking frustrating so they Medivh, Katagar and Lothar along with Lothar's son go on a riding party um, they're immediately attacked by orcs which there is some really brutal horse murder in this did you catch that oh, yes it's like a gorilla press slam of a horse <laughs> yes and, the, and yeah there's a choke slam and then a gorilla press slam yes you get both of those in this fight the orcs do not give a fuck about horses they're no, brutal um, i'll give that to, to this movie the orcs are brutal and they do beat the crap out of the humans like savagely Yes, and in this, like basically, the humans are lost until Medivh casts a spell that gets all of the green orcs and only the green orcs, which spares our main good orc Duratan and Blackhand, Ren Blackhand, and Doomhammer. Oh wait, no. Oh, and Doomhammer too, I suppose. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's pretty interesting too because the orcs even give us the exposition. It's only getting the green ones. Yeah. Which, again, like this this movie at one point thinks the audience are idiots and needs literally everything explained and said out loud. To be fair, that is a turning point for uh, Dorthaki, whatever his name is, uh, because he realizes that, hey, you know, that's it. I'm finally thinking that dude might be bad. Like the emperor might be the bad guy. I'm just saying the force lightning and the green glowing eyes deal. This I'm now, I have concerns. You're telling me that Sheev Palpatine is the bad guy. I am the Senate. It is like, not only are they treating us like idiots, but every character in the movie on both sides is an idiot. They, none of them can see what's right in front of their face on either end. Until it's like, huh, I realized this a little late, didn't you? He just literally sacrificed like 3,000 people he had in a cage. <laughs> it's, yeah. So then we go back to Stormwind. Lothar and King Lane and everybody else inter- like interrogate Grona Half-Orkin, who is the, again, single orc that is not 100% CGI because she's supposed to be half-orc, half orc half Something hold else. up, hold up. They capture two orcs. They get one of the brown orcs and Gamora, and they have them in the back of a carriage. Now, what I don't understand is we've just seen these hor- these orcs. We've just seen these orcs gorilla slam press a horse, yet they think they can just put one in a cage with some chains and take it back to, uh, you know, the Shire. There's some, uh, uh, I, yeah. I'm sorry, like, unless that thing is, like, dead or sedated, uh, heavily, there's no way you can just like tie it up in the back of a carriage. Yeah. Um, uh, but regardless, he does break free, obviously, and they're forced to murder him. Meanwhile, the entire time, uh, not Vigo Mortensen's making fuck me eyes at Gamora. Did, for yeah. no reason. Did anybody really understand why those two fell in love? Because it just no, but, became like a thing that happens? It happens in that scene. <laughs> He's riding on his horse. He looks at her all tied up in the bondage gear, and he's like, hey, how's it going? Because also, much like Star Wars, there are only like three women in this entire universe, and she's one of them. So the other Someone's got to fall in love. Right? So he's not going to bone his sister. I I guess not. I mean, 
This isn't this Game is of Thrones. This is not Game of Thrones. Yeah. So it's either going to be like the two full orc women we see, or it's going to be half orc. And he went, hey, man, half orc. You know, let's yeah. do it. That was uh, interesting. Which, Again, uh, I, I was only half paying attention most of the time because there's nothing really to get into here. Like, you're just not interested in these people. Okay, I, I didn't like this movie. It wasn't entertaining. But I was so pissed off after watching it the second time and still not knowing what was going on. I'm like, fuck <laughs> it. I'm watching this again. and I'm going to figure this shit out. Which is amazing because the movie is repeatedly telling you what's going on. Like, they have a whole interrogation scene with Garona where she says, oh, the orcs are from another planet and this is what's going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this literally might be the first movie I've ever watched more than once and it got worse every time I watched it. You know, it's like, it's not like when you catch something in this, you're, oh, I didn't catch that before. You, you catch them beating you over the head with the plot points again. You're like, fuck, they're telling me exactly what's going on again. Oh, my God. And all these moments that they, they continue to, like, discuss things that you can just see, they could have been developing their characters. I know that's a novel concept. Exactly. But... And that's the part that kills me. I know we're derailing this completely, but, yeah, I feel like the director who also wrote the movie or co-wrote the movie was so unsure of people getting what he was trying to do I think they fell into the trap of just over-explaining everything at every turn and dropping way too many obvious hints. Because like, I'm worried people not, might not get this. I want to make sure they can follow. But it has the opposite effect. It just turns it into a jumbled mess. It really does. Uh, so you're absolutely right. At that point, we go back to the orcs. Duratan, the, one, the main good orc, has determined, hey – the guy who is very obviously evil is probably not a good guy, and maybe we shouldn't be following him. Uh, hey, hey, Captain Cash, I'll add, you make a very good point. He's a good orc in the sense that he's questioning what's going on. And I will I will say this, that is a very interesting character development arc they use there. He's not noble for the sake of being noble. He's not a Mary Sue. He's like, wait a minute. I'm questioning whether or not we're doing the right thing here. And that, that's really interesting. I'll give the movie credit there. He's got yeah. the best arc of any character in here because he yep. actually develops. He's like, wait a minute. I, I've got questions. I need answers. I, I can't commit to this until I understand exactly what's going on. And he goes out of his way to try to figure out what's going on in this movie. As much as I hate Toby Kebbell for Doom, he's actually the best part of this movie without question. You you root for him the whole time. You know, because let's face it, just to get back to the beginning of this movie, this movie starts through the point of view of the orcs. Yes. And I think unintentionally so, you sort of subconsciously watch the rest of the movie through his his POV. You're kind of on the orc side. You, you feel like you're with the orcs and you're watching the humans from the outside looking in. Yeah, and Which all is the funny. humans suck. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that's that's an indictment of the the human POV character, which is definitely Lothar, who just yeah, which this thing. I just I don't care. He's he's generic. He's generic hero character. It's unintentional, but the way they frame the movie from get go, and then the fact that the orcs are more, actually more interesting, you actually watch this rooting and viewing it through the orcs, rooting yeah. rooting for and, and uh, viewing it through the orcs POV. Yeah. The whole uh, the whole like uplifting moment the film can possibly have hinges on Duratan and they blow it and then when they do for Lothor you almost forget that there was a rivalry and that this even matters like that's how 
jumbled it is. Like, you're like oh, why does this matter? Like, oh, he won. Cool. But. Great. Yeah. What? Like, yeah. if Duratan won, I would have actually felt like, oh, yes. Like, that's what you wanted. Like, them to see the light or it's too late or whatever. But no. He just die, like dies unceremoniously in his left. Yeah. Wait, wait, we're jumping way ahead. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The short version there. is the good orcs decide that the only way to beat the bad orcs is to line up with the humans. Lothar, Katagar, and Garona all head there to see the other orcs figure out what's going on. They get ambushed and they they find this is their chance to be like, okay, look, we're all not bad people. We got different motives. But we can all agree that soul-sucking people to, you know, power a gate is probably not good. Yeah, so they're trying to broker a deal, basically. Yeah. Like, hey, like, if you attack our camp and draw the warriors out, my uh, dire wolf people will stick back and we'll murder the emperor. Deal? Deal. Except then so, we stop that and then we go all the way back to fucking Stormwind with the humans. Well, there's an we'll ambush get- and... Shit yeah. goes down. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. And then, and then Luthor's son gets killed because the wizard no, 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 can't that's control not his magic. No, so no, that's that's either. the ambush. No, the ambush. Wait, the ambush so happens they, after they fight. They fight in the the valley. They do fight in the valley, but that's after we get the scene where the King of Stormwind can't convince any of the other races to help join his army or any of the other humans to join his army. It's just Stormwind on their own against the orcs. That's the final battle. It is, but there's a there's political multiple, scene. Yeah. Yeah. Where they, oh. they're going out of our way to tell us Stormwind is on their own. And that's when we get like elves with glowy eyes for two seconds and more dwarves exactly. for two seconds. Yep. Who were apparently just underground. What were yeah. they? Do- what were they doing no, there? Because there was no they're... previous battle there, so it's not like they were being risen from the dead. No, no, the orcs. The orcs. See, you're back to my ambush scene. The orcs are buried in the dirt. The bad orcs are buried in the dirt, watching. Yeah, this the good is orcs where broker the deal. They're supposed to be, you know, joining forces, but uh, right. surprise, surprise, Clancy Brown sold out Duratan. <laughs> You mean the bad guy played by the guy who always plays the bad guy? It was a bad guy? Even though he saved Clancy Brown's life when he was to be executed for failing Goldan, and he saved him, and that son of a bitch still betrayed him. Yeah, but he cut his hand off to do it. Well, he was going to die. The fell was eating him. (laughs) Yeah. You're ruining my joke there, Mr. Well, the fell is actually just an intense case of uh, staph infection. Leprosy? So, um, excuse me, but actually, I'm going to push my glasses up here. <clears throat> um, according to my research, uh, Blackhand uh, never actually has any damage done to his hands, and he dies at some point in the the world of Warcraft lore, but not uh, after losing any sort of function or uh, hands on what, his hands. You lost, you lost me at uh, lore. What What is happening right now? Well, no, no, I, I, I'm just saying. Apparently, this whole thing about the black hand having like the black no, I, no, I wasn't hand, serious. Like, it, I just it never happened. No, please don't explain it to yeah. me. As someone who's played World of Warcraft, yeah, no, uh, so much of this is retconned and terrible. Yeah, uh, are we halfway through the movie? It feels like we've been. We should be, but movie. we're not. We're not. This movie goes on way too long. Oh my God. So 
you're right. There's a big wall. Lothar has to watch his son get killed, which is terrible. But also, I yeah. feel nothing the entire time. Well, no, hold on. But what I don't understand about this movie is they can't break this barrier, this magic barrier. But then uh, uh, Blackadder just like chucks <laughs> the kid through it, and he just no, flies he doesn't. through it. He hits the barrier and falls off. <laughs> no, he comes through it on the other side because his dad no, gets his corpse. I don't, I, you know, I don't remember. I just know he's like, oh, my I, son. I'm like, like, wait, who? Who's that guy? Yeah, he, he, he looks like Joffrey. He throws Joffrey through the lightning wall. But apparently when he's dead, he just passes through it. But when you're alive, I guess you can't. I don't know. It's terrible. Can we just establish that the Guardian's really bad at his job? Yeah, evil <laughs> Gandalf fucks this up hard. Well, yeah, so then they go back and you start to get, like, you see that there's a flicker of green in in evil Gandalf Medivh's eyes. You're like, oh, maybe he's the bad guy all along, except he was very obviously the bad guy the second they fucking introduced him. At the very least, not truthful. I mean, he was yeah. not truthful from the get-go. The second he lit everything on fire or killed all the orcs with the evil magic or... <laughs> yeah. Or... Uh... And then we jump yeah, back... I kind of feel like, I feel like you know, the, the Harry Potter should have been like, yo, Gandalf, what the fuck was that? Uh, you know, magic. No, 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 I don't know that kind of magic. What kind of magic is that? I'm interested, because it only affected the green guys. Tell me more. He also, don't forget, in the library, like, slams uh, Podrick against the wall with his elbow, and it's like, you can't read the book about the fell. The fell's bad. Then takes the Wait, book. He, and, he, and he magic choke slams him, like, the instant he sees him. Yeah. What's in this like, book? Kinda, don't, never mind, never mind, it's fine. He doesn't seem like the most well-adjusted human being, wizard guy, person. It's like when you found one of your grandpa's playboys. Like, oh no, you want no part of that. <laughs> and, and <it's> over. <laughs> somehow, yeah. somehow, I think this might actually be the best book. Can I have more of them? Wait a anyway, that's, come on. Hey, so, hey, listeners, I'd like you guys to know that Captain Cash did his due diligence here. He typed up four pages. Four pages pages of plot for this so i don't want to shortchange it but let's keep moving like i don't they just keep jumping back and forth between places and every time they do there's an establishing shot and i'm like why do we keep moving around so much i don't and care about it, these other people and the problem is after the establishing shots none of it is like recognizable it's just like random medieval bullshit yeah so so we get back with Medivh. He's getting better because he cast the spell that weakened him. Uh, Garona finds Lothar is, le is grieving the death of his son. Then we jump back to the orc camp where Ogrim meets That's when she also, she also makes out with him. Yeah, just a little she bit. Like, she, like, necks him to help him deal with his losses. Yeah, that's their second scene together, and they're already in love because she has okay. lamented to the... I guess it's the wizard, uh, 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 Medivh. Medivh, that, uh, yeah. Oh, you know, if I don't take this chance on love, <laughs> I'll never get it again. Well, and, and you forget the whole thing. They lock her up in a, a central jail cell, a la the Hulk, that only Medivh can visit her as a bird. Yeah, it's... It's just... I don't know. There's so much going on. So... I guess the ultimate thing for the orcs is they have now determined that Duratan and the rest of the Frost Wolves are bad, and they're going to kill all of them and sacrifice them to the gate. Um, Katagar 
fucking Podrick Payne goes to Dalaran, which is a floating city full of wizards, which is from the game. Which yeah. wasn't floating until Warcraft 3, but whatever. Yeah. And so he gets a cube that helps him explain, actually, maybe Medivh is bad. Which, again, all of this we already know. I, <sighs> okay, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. He but we had back. to have Diane Keaton tell us that for sure, though. Yeah. So we get back. Medivh explains that, no, he is actually evil. He gets this demonic shape where his chin gets all wrinkly a la Thanos, except, you know, he's still a human. No, it's tentacles. He totally turns into to the chick from StarCraft. Uh, or perhaps, you know, Davy Jones from Pirates of the Caribbean. He just looks uh, like the more, Night King. That's more Cthulhu, but whatever. Either way. Uh, so Lothar and Kadigar fight Medivh. It's a wizard fight. It basically looked good. <laughs> I, they agree that the Frost Wolves and the humans are going to get together because King Lane Wren has agreed and met with Duratan, and now they're going to fight the evil orcs. And uh, I, I've lost. I've lost the plot. That's how deep we're already into this. Uh, I guess the the important thing is uh, Duratan's wife who has the baby, puts the baby in a basket and floats him on the river a la Moses. Uh, uh, yeah, because uh, that's because Doomhammer gives her the heads up, like, hey, time to run. Yep. So Doomhammer has determined, hey, he was wrong. He frees Duratan. Duratan challenges Gul'dan to single combat. I, I'm trying to remember what they call it. It's like Maratau or, or something crazy. Yeah, there. you got to respect it. I know that. Yeah, it's a thing I should know, but from playing the games, but I don't. Um, they enter single combat, and basically, out of nowhere, Gul'dan, who has spent the entire time being a wrinkly wizard, is super jacked. Uh, yeah, he's and, basically like Hulk from like Planet Hulk. He's like the old Hulk with the beard. Yes, they fight. Duratan maybe gets the edge until Gul'dan uses fell magic and just basically drains him of all his life force and Twice. kills him. He does he does it once and everybody boos him and then he does it again. He bear hugs him and murders him. And yet and, and no one stops them like, hey, followed. this isn't part of the rules. This isn't what we do. Yeah, we don't no, cheat as said multiple times. Like Yeah, but they he clearly loses respect. Yes. But then and, Uses the fell to hyperpower Ren Blackhand. So Ren Blackhand turns green. Again, green's bad, you guys. Yep, and he grows a monstrous, like, you know, left hand or whatever. Yes, as as you sometimes would. His claw. Ah, oh, my God. So then Stormwind, the armies of Stormwind show up. They're going to fight in front of the portal how much more of this do we have to do? I'm dying on the inside. I don't think you really have to do any of it because all the stuff that happens next doesn't matter because there's no resolution to any of it. I want I want the golem. Oh, uh, we already geez. kind of talked about that guy. Yeah, so... No. Well, we talked about that Medivh. scene. Yeah, in the fight with Medivh, Medivh summons a... or What do you call it? Activates a golem. Activates a, Comes yeah. alive. Yeah, that yeah, is, again... Golem directly from the game that 
Lothar and Katagar have to fight, and Lothar loses his shoes and has to jump off onto a griffin too. It's just yeah, he's barefoot the rest of the movie. Is that from yeah, the game? Yeah, which apparently is just a thing for that actor. And I just was that, was that significant? I I found nothing on that. No, the, I, there's nothing more significant than that actor just likes to be barefoot. The ah, end. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Because he's very so, barefoot the rest of the movie. Yeah. So the guardian <laughs> okay. dies. I got nothing on that. So. Yeah, I mean, it's a thing that happens in the movie. Yeah, the Guardian dies. Um, so you, you can't get to the Guardian dies until you finish the battle scene because his death kind of brings on the very end. It's because the they so. cut back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. And like, there's just so much hopping around and none of it hangs together well enough. Okay, so, I mean, so the final battle happens and... At the gate. At the gate, in front of the gate, and... There's a change of heart on uh, Midveer's part or whatever. So he opens the gate back to the Shire. So most of the humans can like escape. And it's not because they're on a different planet. They're just on a different part of yes. the planet. So because he kind of opens a, a warp zone for them to get home faster. Because heaven forbid the Griffins just show up and fly everyone home or it's some other magic. It's because that's a spell in the game. Okay, like portal return two. home. It's like a, yeah. it's like a, a quick save. Yeah, it's portal two city location. So yeah, they all so, pulled back to Stormwind, but Medivh dies, and that leaves the king behind. And, yeah. and he like redeems, so he like redeems himself in his last moments. Like ah, I tried. I'm sorry. Because yeah. he turns into a demon. He left out the part. He turns into a demon, and Wait. they defeat the demon. And then like the demon like leaves him because if you watch the 20 minute why this movie is stupid video. It explains that he's actually been cursed with part of a demon in his soul, and that's why he's tainted with the fell. But yeah, he's, isn't so, he like five hundred years old? <laughs> Nobody's yeah, noticed I, this before. Yeah, but whatever. But yeah, so but the demon shows itself. They defeat the demon, not really him, and then he like dies, redeemed man, because he helps everybody get home. Uh, the king's left there for reasons, and the king decides that the best move here, because death is imminent, is to let. Gamora murder him because she is sympathetic to the humans and by sacrificing himself to her she will become a leader of the orcs and thereby creating an opportunity for an alliance to be forged because she is a reasonable person because she's not 100% orc right ooh I was right with you to the very end because they're reasonable orcs but yeah but 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 that's why he picked her though because he figured she's the one most likely to be sympathetic to uh, you know collaboration. One, this plan is really dumb. Two, it's wholly yep. unnecessary. Three, it's one of the primary offenders of the people talking amidst a war, a battlefield where people are getting slaughtered, and they have like multiple conversations. It's idiotic. Yeah, uh, it just doesn't matter and. The whole thing is to set up that this breaks up her and Lothor. Like, Lothor sees her dagger, and how could she have betrayed him? Because it's it fully expecting to get a sequel where they reunite, and it's not going to happen. Because after she stabs him in the back in front of all of her buddies to get her street cred, Lothor flies in on his griffin and scoops up uh, the, the king's the body, body and the king, flies yeah. off. And then, of course, they find the dagger that was given to 
Gamora by his sister who does nothing in the movie. And he's like, oh, she betrayed us. Grr, I don't like her anymore, even though she has weird boner powers. And then Ren Blackhand <laughs> knocks the griffin down. And Lothar wakes up in a cage and he has to fight the whatever it was, the Mach Ogre or Macarena. Macarena. Uh, the, hey, Macarena. The, the Kumite. Yeah, the yeah, single combat. And he has to do it against Ren Blackhand. And he gets out of it and kills Ren Blackhand by cutting off his dick. Not so much cutting <laughs> off his dick, just bisecting his dick. It's, it's uh... more of a vertical slash. <laughs> Basically, he takes him out the same way Johnny Cage would have taken out Goro had Johnny Cage had a sword. He or goes Robo low and he goes low somebody. and he hits the five hole and wham. He's a or RoboCop would have taken somebody yeah. out if RoboCop had a sword. If it was Robo Knight, same idea. It was a uh, Macarena via visectomy, uh, Matei finish, mm-hmm. incorporating all kinds of things there. Yeah. So. In honoring the single combat, they let Lothar go, despite the fact he has killed their war chief. And Gul'dan lives, and Garona is now the new war chief because she killed the king. Yeah, okay, so a couple problems with that scene. First off, Gamora is clearly upset with her king murder. Like, she doesn't look happy at all, and no one questions her motivations. Like, hey, like at the very least, they were like, hey, pussy, why are you crying over murder? Like, you can't be a war chief if that's your war face. Like, let alone be like, hey, wait a minute. Like, she seems a little weird about this. Should we question what's going on here? No, nothing about that. They just, like, carry her. That's like, 100% of the movie, though. No one ever questions anyone's motive. They, yeah. they, 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 they just throw just her up on top of the crowd, crowd surfing like the hero Spider-Man from the subway scene and carry her it's off. It's actually, uh, okay. there's no, like, hey, uh, like, five minutes ago, she gave a handshake deal with the king. They shook hands. They hugged. They said goodbye. I didn't really think much of it at the time, but now I'm a little suspicious. And then and then you've got you've got evil, like, Darth Sidious orc who just, like, sucks the life out of people. He's all like, Gideon, why are you letting him walk away? I don't understand. Like, uh, can you just, like, like life force suck him right now like yeah, couldn't he have I, done that to everyone they were fighting i mean he literally does that to open the movie there's se- several thousand people in his presence and he's just like and i'm taking yours and i'm taking yours <laughs> and, he, and he's bitching at the other orcs like get him stop him they're like pounding their chest like no bro's cool he won fair and square Urr. it's like you guys Clearly, I'm not giving a shit about the murder of anybody this entire fucking movie, except when it comes to your, your fucking kumatai. What the hell? Listen, he cut dick. He cut dick. We let him go. That's it, how it goes. I don't like dick cut. Than you. I don't want my dick cut. I'm not, I'm not getting my dick cut off for this. No, fuck that, man. All right, fair enough. Uh, so we get the closing scenes <laughs> of of the scene in Stormwind where all the other kingdoms are there and they form the alliance with the elves and the dwarves. And that's supposed to be the, the alliance because for Azeroth for the alliance in, in Warcraft two, that's when you got the elves and the dwarves. So we're not at Warcraft two yet. This is still Warcraft one. Oh, look, we're going to have that. And then perhaps the most galling part of it, is you then get to see the the basket with the infant float down the river where it's found by a noble lord that's a human. And that that person in the basket 
is supposed to ultimately be Thrall, who becomes the war chief of the Horde by Warcraft 3. And it's just like, here's a hint of a movie that would have been a lot more interesting. Never mind. We're going to set that up. Let my people go. He's explicitly Orc Moses. Except they gave us all the lead up to Orc Moses and not Orc Moses. Technically, he was going to be Orc Spartacus, so... Yeah. There's one thing in this movie that I was waiting for, and I'm really upset that I didn't get it. Not the dick cut? Not the dick cut. I was waiting for the Leroy Jenkins! Oh, that would have been spectacular. Uh, How they didn't get that worked in, I'll never know. That would have been hilarious. They could have found a way. but That's the only thing I know uh, about Wordcraft. Duncan Jones literally responded to a tweet because this movie's not going to get a sequel almost like 100% at this point. He said part two would have been Goel or Thrall as a young orc slave in Blackmoor's gladiator camp. Here he meets and befriends a Torin who tells him of another land in the west where his people come from and where he might find allies and maybe a new home. So that would have been number two. So a character that you don't know at all becomes the central point of the next movie, I guess, eschewing whatever plot they were setting up with this movie. Number three... The gathering horde army and freeing of orcs around the eastern kingdom before a dangerous trip across the sea of Kalimdor and the founding yep. of first Azerothian city of Orgrimmar. Basically, Named the trilogy Doomhammer. was fulfilling uh, Doratan's promise to give his people a new home. That's what yeah. the trilogy was going to be. That which uh, later became the uh, Planet of the Apes story arc. Wonder where... <laughs> yeah. So I will just say this about this movie and from the little bit of research that I've done, I think the mistake they made was assuming you could just use backstory as context without actually creating an interesting story. Like there's a, there's a lot of backstory. There's a lot of stuff and it all kind of lines up with this very complicated and complex lore. And I'm not dogging this movie in that sense. I'm sure it's much more, accurate to the source material than I could ever comprehend, but it still fails to create an engaging narrative in this rich world that's been created and developed. Meaningful characters. There's just none. For a game full of characters, a movie full of characters, none of them have any, like, yeah. And that concludes Warcraft. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. How many beers do you need to enjoy this movie? Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops. We are talking World of Warcraft. We have just finished up an exhaustive version of the plot, and frankly, I don't think there is anything else you can describe this plot as other than exhaustive. But how many beers do you need to enjoy this movie? Chumpzilla, what's your thought? This one takes all the beers. If six is the max, then it's six. I will say that after talking about this movie for over an hour now, I'm on my second Dragon's Milk, and you know what? I feel better about that, so I think about four more, and I could probably make it through this movie. Pleasantly surprised. I got a rule with the Dragon's Milk, though. Two at a time. Never more than two. You do more than two? It comes in a four-pack. I know, right? Two full nights of drinking. All right, over to the Thunderous Wizard. I've been pretty hard on this movie. I think we all have, for obvious reasons. It's certainly not the worst video game movie we've done, not even close. Uh, 
I think it could have been so much better than it actually is. So I'd say four beers. Uh, you're going to be confused a lot uh, because, I mean, I kept looking at IMDb to figure out which character was which, but uh, you can't really tell with a lot of the voices. So I was like, oh, shit, I don't know who that guy is. Maybe th- maybe this is Blackhand. Maybe this is uh, Frostfang. This is... Uh, Doomhammer. Yeah. That's fair enough. I mean, Thundercock. <laughs> this is Anal Warts. This is... Uh... It's kind of rough because this movie's not good. But I understand why it made almost half a billion dollars. It is a very uh, popular property. It is apparently a faithful adaptation of said property. And the CGI on the orcs, I won't say that all the CGI, some of it's actually pretty dodgy, but the CGI on the orcs is great. And I meant to mention this earlier, but the CGI on the baby orc is so much better than the baby we get in American Sniper. Like <laughs> I find that so entertaining. Like this movie has a better baby in it, a more realistic human baby, and it's green versus the thing that, like, you know, uh, 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 what's his face, uh, Rocky Bradley Raccoon, Cooper. Bradley Cooper has to wiggle with his thumb. So yeah. So listen, I, I'm actually with Thunderous Wizard on this one, and with the caveat that I am a giant fantasy nerd. And literally, immediately before this podcast, I was playing D&D. Four, four beers. Four beers is this movie for me. It's too long. I don't connect with any of the characters. None of the reveals actually work as reveals. But four beers at least keeps me lightly buzzed enough that I don't feel like I'm killing myself by watching this film. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the trick about this movie is not to think too hard about it at any given point. Um, but here, I want to wax philosophical on the characters for a moment, because I think there is a parallel to be drawn between uh, the good work. What's his name? Duratan. Dormammu. Yeah. And uh, Duratan, I've come to bargain. And the king, um, because King Lane and Dormammu both effectively sacrificed themselves to prove a point to their people and or to make a political statement. Dormammu sacrifices himself to, uh, Hold you on. know, yeah, to, well, but to, to create like, uh, some unrest in his people. Right. He's like, look, like, look, this guy's bad. He cheats. And I will kill myself to prove that this guy is not a true orc and you should question his intentions. So he raises doubt amongst his people and he's willing to give his life for that much like King Lane says, hey, I think the best thing I can do at this point is to make a statement with my death. If you kill me, you create a position of power that can then further our shared agenda. So you got a parallel between those two. Like, and I think that's really interesting because that's not like the straightforward narrative the movie's trying to give you. But if they would have focused on that, it might have made more sense. My main question is, how did King Lane know that him being killed by her would make her the, the war chief. They had just been introduced to this race of people. And he uh, knows I all their like customs. That's like a battlefield call. I can let that slide. Well, most kings don't fight in battles, which is one of the stupid things about this, that he's like in the center of it. Like, let's rock and roll. Also, let's have sidebar conversations because in this Honestly, battle, that's matters. not the stupidest thing about this movie. Yeah, but he obviously is not Tommy Tough Pants either. 
No, like, they have so few soldier extras. He's like, oh, we got to focus on this guy who nobody's protecting. And then, and then the other thing is you've got the obvious parallel between the two wizards. You get the parallel between the two wizards. You get the parallel between Garona and, uh, what's his name, Lothar, as the sort of not leaders, but they're close, and they're sort of sympathetic to the other side. But they both become the leaders in the end. Yes, and that's that's the thing. Comparing Duratan to the king isn't straight one to one. It's sort of modeled with where they're at as far as the rest of the. Oh no, I'm just saying it could have been done better because that. Oh yeah, that, yeah. That, that if they would have given uh, Dormammu like a different role, and he had been like the king of the orcs, yes, with the the wizard as his advisor. And then you've got the king of the humans with the wizard. His, his, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is if they had been more obvious in those parallels between the two races, the movie would have been better. But they were too obtuse with it. And it's like you have to do a lot of that work in your own head. After the third time you watch the movie, after watching a 20-minute YouTube video to fill in the gaps. If they chose the dueling Jafar's route, it would have been way too obvious that Bediv was just Jafar. That's why the other guy was in charge. Like it uh, would have been like, huh? More, like, literally, like, more. The same thing. I mean, it was still painfully obvious he was shady as fuck. Well, so I mean, this movie is the smartest movie we've done. If if I had to script doctor this thing, the problem with this movie is that it immediately tries to subvert tropes without establishing them. So what and what I mean specifically by that you are immediately given the POV of the orc. This movie would have worked if it was presented from the humans to begin with who treat the orcs as all inherently bad and all inherently evil until either at the Act 2 turning point or Act 3 turning point where you realize, oh no, the orcs are just people. They've been misled, but otherwise they're just people and they're not always completely evil. That that at least would have subverted the trope and been interesting. So, no, here's, here's where I'll disagree there. I think you can do this movie in the form of dueling narratives without necessarily picking a side to begin with. I, I think the fun in this would have been doing the dueling narratives where you let the tropes speak for themselves to a certain extent and let like kind of lead the the uh, viewer into assuming that the monstrous looking people are the bad guys right that's what i'm talking about yeah and then in that second or third act have the oh wait a minute maybe we're not maybe we did we got this wrong maybe those are not the bad guys you know that that might have worked that's exactly what i'm talking about okay no, no okay we're in agreement then yeah but ultimately in your minds did this deserve to flop yeah i think you just script doctored it, and I think they needed a script doctor because all the issues with it are right there on paper. So it, I looked it up the stats, and at one point in time, like Warcraft had up to 14 million registered active paying users. By the time the movie came out, that was cut over in half, so it's too late for its own audience. Uh, oh, this movie came out in like 2007. It would have blown the fuck up yeah and, and it's far too late um it did not capitalize on that that hurts but you have a very interesting world to play with you have to make the characters interesting you have to make the plot interesting and the script does none of that it tries to 
It's like a book on tape. So I, I think it was. Yes. I read a review, and I want to associate it with Robert Ebert, but basically it said, you know, a typical video game movie has the problem of it's like watching someone play the video game. This movie has the problem of it's like someone reading the manual of the video game. Yeah. No, that's actually pretty perfect. Yep. No no arguments there. All right. Moving on, then. Like, honestly, like, I'd love to say this movie didn't deserve to flop, but... You know, it didn't really flop. It made a fuck ton of money. But, yeah, I will say, does this movie, assuming they stick with this direction, deserve a sequel? No. I don't yeah. need to see any more. It's, it's every this movie's script is every reason why people who did get into Warcraft did get into Warcraft. It's to it's for diehards, absolute diehards who want to hear this, but they already know it, so that doesn't help. But if you were like, "Hey, this this game's great," let me tell you the backstory. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna play that. That's just me because I wouldn't find that no. interesting. So if you're, you're not like right. fantasy guy, you're gonna be like, "Why do I need to know all this? Let's get to the war." It's it's kind of like getting to like a, a a new like Bible movie. It's like I already know the book. Do I need to see the movie? What what new um, you know, experience I'm going to get from seeing the Bible on the screen? I mean, you know? ultimately, I think I, we're getting at the point where I think we arrive at the conclusion that this is too literal an adaptation. This to me feels like. Hey, we know Garon. So it, some of this stuff is literally in the manual of of orcs and and humans. Garona kills King Lane. You know, Medivh turns evil. A- actually, all the work, all the orcs aren't bad. Blah blah blah. Like there are plot points they're trying to hit with no connective tissue to let you believe that the plot points address one another. Right. Again, this is why I was a Heroes of Might and Magic two guy. They had bone dragons, dude. Bone dragons. Listen, World of Warcraft has bone dragons. They're ice bone dragons. It's a thing. It do- we're, not, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're moving on. All right, look. Bone we dragons. Four. Four video game movies. All. All flops and even not maybe some of the worst. But I would now like to talk about the video game movies we enjoyed. So I would like to hear your version, three to one. What are the, in your mind, best video game movies? This doesn't have to mean they made the most money. Doesn't have to mean that, you know, they won the most awards. What, for you, are the video game movies that are one, two, three? Starting with three, working up. What are they? So I would like to say... In order to answer this question, I had to go to Wikipedia and look at all the movies based on video game properties, live action, first. It doesn't have to be live action. It could be anything. No, I know, but that's where I started. And I was surprised to see how few movies there actually were. And and I was also surprised, but not shocked to see that most of them were Uva Bull movies. (laughs) I was like, wow, there really haven't been that many live action video game movies. Okay, so then I said, well, what about animated? Maybe that'll give me a better selection because of all the movies I saw there for the live action. Not so great. Uh, the animated, it's way heavy on the Japanese stuff that I'm not familiar with. 
So I'm like, okay, this is not going to be a help either. So this was actually really a tough question to answer, Captain Cash. I'm not going to lie. Mr. Wizard, did you struggle with this as well? Or is this an easy slam dunk one, two, three for you? Well, no, because I did love video games so much growing up. And I've seen virtually every video game movie, minus some of the... I gave up on the Uwe Bull films, obviously. Uh, so I wouldn't say Mortal Kombat because it meant the most to me at the time. I loved Mortal Kombat as that every kid as your number three. Yeah, wasn't supposed to be playing it. I saw that five times in theaters. Nice. Uh, number two would be uh, Detective Pikachu. That is legitimately a good one. I, I have that on mine. That counts. It's it's such a really heartfelt and wonderful movie, and I won't spoil it, but it hits you in the feels. And so I used I, to love Pokemon. Right in the as jellies, well. right, right in the jellies. Yeah. I played uh, Pokemon Blue, Pokemon, uh, a few, a few of the other iterations. So I was pretty big into Pokemon. Oh, so, who was your starter? Uh, Bulbasaur. Ah, oh, weak. Yeah, I liked Bulbasaur. No, uh, no listen, actually, I, listen, I, I was Squirtle, Squirtle for the win. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. No thanks. I named my Bulbasaur Godzilla. Anyways, number one is the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. I've seen that movie. Really? lot of times because my kids yeah. love it and I think it's great I think Jim Carrey is very funny in it I've recommended it on this pod before you have I'm shocked because honestly the Sonic games were never good like after the Genesis for the most part yeah uh, so he was kind of a diminished property and they, they did the movie exactly right they just nailed it it's so much fun here's my thing like nice. I, I love Ben Schwartz's delivery the, the actor who plays Sonic fucking nails it but like it feels so more than anything else to me it feels like he-man the the movie that we covered how many pods ago where it's fantastical creature comes to our world so you don't get a lot of the the stuff that you want to see from the movie but i agree with you it weirdly works yeah it does (laughs) Jim like, Carrey's it's not a like big where you're like, what the fuck am I watching and yeah. where is Battle Cat? <laughs> yeah, the hey, that's man, Courtney Cox. Uh, it doesn't work in like the human element very well. Like it just looks really stupid when he's on Earth, and, you know, running around in uh, battle gear and underwear, and there's a yeah. guy asking for fried chicken all the time. Like Sonic, it. it they found a way to make it feel organic and work. And, oh, I thought you were talking about Sonic there until the chicken. Yeah, Dr. Robotnik is not from where Sonic's from. A Gwildor into the Sonic movie, yeah. I, it would be on my top three. It is not. All right. Do you want me to go next, Captain Cash? Yeah, you do next, Jumpzilla. Okay. Number three for me is The Last Starfighter. And that's with an asterisk. But to me, that is very much... A video game movie because the whole that feels like cheating. Yeah, I would have used Wreck It Ralph if I if that were the case. Oh well, you still can. I'm not going to stop you. But anyway, no, because there is actually a last uh, Starfighter video game that came after, so that's why it counts. It's an asterisk. But yeah, that but that movie is so video gamey, and it's got the computer graphics in it, and I love that movie. I loved it as a kid. That was a VHS classic for me. So yeah, I'll cheat with that for my number three. But I will agree with the Thunderous Wizard, number two, Mortal Kombat. Because say what you will about that movie, but it's one of the more faithful video game adaptations I think we've ever seen. Um, and it's ridiculous, and the soundtrack's ridiculous, um, and the Goro prop 
holds up okay for it's in the 90s. It's pretty decent. L- listen, here's what I will say. The Mortal Kombat movie was everything a successful Street Fighter movie should have been. Mortal Kombat, by its nature, is R-rated, and the Mortal Kombat movie is PG-13, which is why it won't make my list. It yeah, hurts it, well, for sure. Yeah, and they had definitely like cut a lot of stuff they could have done. But it was great. It made a ton of money. And uh, I didn't see it in theaters, but I watched it a shit ton on VHS. It's a and it's another movie where Robin Shaw is surrounded by people who can't fight, and it hurts the movie. Because yeah. unlike Scorpion and Sub-Zero, who are excellent fighters, like the stuntmen who play them. Yeah, and Reptile. And, uh, Bridget Wilson was not convincing, and Lyndon Victoria Ashby was not convincing. Victoria can fight with the best of them. That's all I know. Uh Christopher yeah, Lambert. So you know, actually, it wasn't going to be her as Sonya Blade originally. It was going to be Cameron Diaz, Cameron Diaz but she broke her wrist. Yeah, punching a, I guess like a, a mitt, a punching mitt. She like did a backhand and broke her wrist. Is that why we're in the darkest timeline? Well, Could that's because be. she 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 was filming she was filming the mask or had just finished filming the mask, and they were like, hey, let's get that chick. It, it wasn't even released yet. They were like watching the dailies. Like, oh, yeah, that's our Sonya Blade, but she broke her wrist, and they had to go with uh, Veronica Vaughn. Anyway, and then... Number okay, one. Number one, Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. Because you hate all good things, <laughs> and you want me to kill you in your sleep? Fuck you, uh, sir. That movie is a technology marvel. It was... It, like, elevated CGI at the time. It looks fantastic. It makes no sense. I've seen it exactly one time, and I just I picked saw it to that make... theater. This makes me angry. I, I picked it just to make Captain Cash angry. I yeah. figured that's that's why. Yeah. That, it's got it's it. got Alec Baldwin in it. The the voice cast in that thing. Wait, Steve Buscemi. Is this, just, it's ridiculous. Is, is this Pluto Nash or is it, this? I mean, maybe we should. Hey, hey, you want know Captain Cash? If you hate that movie so much, put it up for the shit movie championship belt. Oh, we're gonna look. Listen, listen. If we ever I'll watch it again, it was a flop. Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within. <laughs> it that, like bankrupted the studio. Yeah, it, that it's a big flop. Where, and it should have. Oh, I hated that. Ah, okay. Look. I, 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 but it looks great. The CGI is fantastic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Listen, it, it, it's not a good movie, but it's a impressive. good like CGI exercise. Yeah, I think the technology that they developed to make that movie made other movies better. Sounds, just uh, not that one. Sounds just like the movie we were discussing today. The CGI is excellent. Everything else is not. Oh, man, I hated it. Okay, great. Look, let me give you my three <laughs> before I just scream into the void about how much I fucking hate Spirits Within. Uh, so my asterisk is, uh, is going to be Castlevania on Netflix because... Uh, like, <laughs> Nobody I don't really like, watch that anime. It's really great, but it's a series, so I don't feel like you can count. I, I, I've, heard, I've heard that's good, though. I've heard that's good. No, but it's, it's super good. Yeah. It's, it's mostly based on, I think, Castlevania 3, where you get uh, one of the Belmonts, a wizard, and you get Alucard. But it, so yeah, my it's a spippity boppity Belmont, that one. Yeah, no, it, it, but it's good. It's good, and it's uh, the dude from. Uh, what is it? It's the Hobbit. Uh, it's not the Hobbit. It's um, the the lead dwarf in the Hobbit. Uh, Richard Armitage. Rudy. Happy? Yeah, Rudy. Yeah, the guy from Rudy. Yeah. Richard Armitage is in Rudy. <laughs> Sean, no, Sean Astin is. That's Sean Astin. That's fucking Sam. <laughs> it. 
listen, at a certain point, Elijah Wood being trolled, and it's fine. It's fine. So here are my three. Uh, number three is actually Angry Birds two. Warwick Davis. Angry Birds two. No, that's Not Gary Angry Coleman. Birds Angry Birds two. It's it's a dumb movie. It's dumb as shit. But oh, it's... Rio. Yeah, Rio. Rio is a good movie. The, the birds in it. Rio. Guardians, <laughs> the Legends of Gahul. Is that what, is that what you're talking First of all, about? You, you, you've got Happy Bluebird, and then you've got whatever Zack Snyder thought he was doing in those movies. But Angry Birds 2 somehow holds up because it, it, it's a better adaptation than Angry Birds 1. Is this the where... sequel to Birds of Prey? No, no. No, fun fact, fun fact, Captain Cash is on to something because it's actually the prequel to Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law, which is excellent. Oh, and, and then Attorney at Law. And then the alternate universe version was just Birdman with Michael Keaton. Which is a great movie everyone should watch. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and and then you should follow that with Birds. Yeah. Which is it, does that have anything to do with that movie? This? Do they kill a bunch of people? I mean, they th- they threaten people, but I don't think anyone actually dies. Well, well, the people in this are pigs, and it's really an allegory for Animal Farm. But that's getting pretty. That's deep. true. Yeah, Snowball. Yeah, yeah. he's one of two. The pigs. Rose, two feet good. Rosebud. Two feet bad. Four feet good. I forget how it works. Either way, uh, I'm agreeing with the uh, the Thunderous Wizard on this. My, Detective Pikachu is my number two. But my number one is Rampage. I fucking love Rampage. I like Kaiju. I like the well, Rock. Holy shit, I didn't realize you were that big of an Uva Bull fan. First of all, not that Rampage. Oh, never I mean, mind. Rampage from like 2017 Rampage. Rampage. You had to be more specific there, man. My bad, my bad. Yeah. Hey, yeah, Harry Dean Morgan, great in it. He's just a lot of fun. Also, we get uh, Pittsburgh native Joe Manganiello. Yes. Uh-huh. Who is he? Who's not in it that long, but he's an awesome dude. So anytime I can be like, yeah, that, that dude. He's almost oh, in it a, Joe, a very disappointing amount. Joe Manganiello or Joe Magliano? Probably Joe Magliano, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, don't, Wait, we're, we're talking don't about let me beat the tiebreaker. <laughs> Wait, we're talking Listen, the guy that's banging the chick from Modern Man, Family? Banging Manganello. Is married to the chick from Modern Family and yeah. has in his basement a D&D, like, dungeon as well as gym. Magliano. the dude who is living my best life? Yeah, yeah Magliano. That dude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Magliano. Yep. Flash taps it. Let me go with that dude. That dude's good. All right. So those are my top three. Those are your top three. Were Solid we picks, wrong? Cash. Tell us. Tell us if we were wrong. All right, we're going to take a brief break. When we come back, we're going to do recommendations and close out the pod. Here we go. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops. We are closing out our 70th pod, the final of our up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA Select Flop series with For Warcraft. The horde. For the Horde! Loktar Ogar. Uh, and with that, 
we're going to do some recommendations. We are skipping trivia because this whole movie is basically a trivia challenge. So instead of doing that, let's just, we're moving on. Trumpzilla the Defiler approves. <laughs> and passing it around the horde. Let's take it over to the Thunder Wizard. What are you watching now? What do you recommend based on what we have had to put up with? Okay, so since you two had asterisk movies during the video game, top three video game uh, question, Fair. I'm using my asterisk. I'm recommending Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which I watched again over the weekend. It was a flop. It shouldn't have been. I'm fairly sure it's a cult hit now, but if you haven't seen it, it takes a piece an ip that exists a comic book translates it pretty perfectly and it feels like a video game at times in the way it's shot it's probably one of the most visually interesting comic book movies ever made it holds up very well highly recommend edgar wright it's a good movie and mr wizard i agree with you 110 percent I would even go further and say it's not only one of the most interesting visual comic book movies I've ever seen. It's just an interesting visual movie, period. And to your point, it is very much a video game movie because that is the tone and the motif that it takes. And it does very well. The whole setup is like it's like Streets of Rage or uh... the only my only point that I would like to quibble with. I don't feel like Michael Sarah was right for the role. Oh, Bullshit. yeah, I kind of thought that last night, too. Uh, I also think the ending is overwritten to the point where it tries to make you think one thing, when clearly the whole movie is setting up the other. But yeah. I have minor gripes. I, I do think it's a, it's a stark contrast. He's, he's very frail. So, yeah. Listen. A visual thing to him. That's by design. Yeah. Jesse Eisenberg as... Scott Pilgrim, I like the movie better. I think that's good, but I love Jesse Eisenberg, so... Over to Jumpzilla, what is your recommendation this week? Okay, well, I'll go back to my list uh, and recommend 1995's Mortal Kombat. Hmm. Um, yeah, you know, go back and rewatch that movie. You know, the best thing I can say about it, and I'll quote Gene Siskel here, he called this the only halfway decent video game movie he has ever seen, and it was a lot of fun. Huh. The special effects hold up relatively well. The Goro prop is great. It's a little dated, but hey, it was 1995, but it's still pretty good. And hey, it's not a AAA action movie, but it's one of the most faithful video game adaptations we have to date. And it's a great nostalgia piece from the lawless 90s. So go back and rewatch that because it's actually, as Siskel said, a lot of fun. That's fair enough. I mean, look, I've gone back and watched Mortal Kombat in at least the last, let's call it, five to ten years. And I remember watching it going, okay, this isn't as good as I remember, but it's still, it still is what it wants to be, so fine. It's still watchable, infinitely watchable, and has couple of really signature moments where you're like yeah this movie can kick ass at times when scorpion johnny cage in hell great fight uh Liu kang reptile and outworld great fight and just the introduction of sub-zero and uh, scorpion's perfect now there's a lot of other issues with the film and it, it is yeah i think siskel's rather accurate in saying well it's like the only halfway watchable video game movie but it does nail a few things that's Goro's fair. prop is awesome, except for the mouth. 
Those were $500 sunglasses, asshole. 590s dollar sunglasses, no less. All right, so my recommendation this week is going to be another fantasy film, but it's one that I feel like actually does a better job of doing what this movie set out to do, and that is Ridley Scott's 1985's Legend. If you're not familiar with Legend, it stars Tom Cruise in the heroic role, but nobody fucking remembers that. The thing that this is memorable for is Tim Curry is the giant fucking demon, the Lord of Darkness, and he just eats every fucking scene he's in. It's spectacular. And the thing is, people, most folks haven't seen this movie, but people know what Tim Curry's costume looks like because it is a just memorable image. It is yeah. insane. It is, it is iconic in the very definition of the word it he is the devil and it is great and like look the movie is not a good movie by any stretch of the imagination it is very much ridley scott telling his children a fairy tale as they go to bed but this hits all the things that this movie could have or should have been in the sense that every character is very very arch it's not particularly like it's not playing with tropes at all. It's just very, very beautiful visually. And that's that's kind of it. Like, well, I wouldn't say it doesn't play with tropes. You've got a princess, you've got yeah, fairies, no, I mean, you've like, got unicorns, saying... you've got goblins, you've got the darkness. It's but but it doesn't attempt to subvert the tropes, I guess is my point. They play no, it very straight, which yes, is that, true that's of the point. first Warcraft game. Ah, uh, yes. It doesn't play with the tropes. It yeah, it plays it very straightforward. And I think you made it a comment uh, earlier, uh, Captain Cash. It's like the Lost Zelda movie. Yes. And I think that's a very accurate description. I don't think you could probably try to pin that on Ridley Scott, but I think that's a very apt description, though. This movie's awesome. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, and not for nothing else. This movie goes 89 minutes. So even if you don't like this movie, it's not going to outstay its welcome and oh, drive you oh, insane. Do not watch the 89-minute version. Get the director's cut. It's got a better soundtrack. It's yeah. got more stuff to it. I'm actually a fan of this movie, Captain Cash. I like oh, this wow. movie um, a lot. Yeah, and the and the director's cut is way better. The studio kind of screwed Ridley Scott on this because they had zero faith in it. This is a movie the studio had zero faith in, and they should have had you in charge, Captain Cash, because you've been like, dude, it's got the chick from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's got Tom Cruise, and it's got Tim Curry in this awesome devil costume. Yes, give me more. It's an like, iconic so, shot of Tim Curry. Yeah. It really yeah, is. you, you got to get that 100 and... Uh, like I think it's a hundred and ten minute, hundred and eleven minute. Ridley Scott cut. is a director who always has top notch director's cuts. That's true. That I are... feel like he's been screwed by the studio. Eventually, we need to do Kingdom of Heaven, but we're not going to do that tonight. Yep. Yeah, one one more movie. point here: big difference on the soundtracks too. The U.S. version got Tangerine Dream, whereas there was an orchestral soundtrack for the director's cut slash UK cut. Yeah, uh, you so, gotta watch the director's I, cut. It, which is apparently more atmospheric and, you know, fantasy-like. Anyway, I'm off my soapbox. Sorry. All right. Well, that does it for this edition of Hops and Box Office Flops. Thank you to New Holland Brewing for making a delicious beer with which to enjoy this film. 
thanks to you, the listener. What do you think of the pod? Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Please remember to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Tell us what movie you'd like to see. And you can find the Thunderous Wizard at RyderTLK, Chumpzilla at Chumpzilla8. And you can find me, Captain Cash, at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media. Stay safe out there. Lotar Ogar. For the Horde. Yeah, for the Horde, man. <laughs>